What is going on guys? It is your boy Caleb back again with a rare edition of the Malaga Drive Hoops normal basketball podcast. I know it's been quite some time. Uh, I've been caught up mostly focused on my daily betting podcast. If you haven't already, I would appreciate it. Uh, a listener subscribe but again only if that is your thing um but on the day i gotta i gotta be doing this more i gotta there's this is an amazing basketball season and i can't be one-dimensional the best are not one-dimensional people think steph only shoots he doesn't only shoot he he drives he passes and so i can't just be focused on betting and i'm not going to be so Today, in order to get back into the swing of things, I'm doing this solo because I want to catch up and get things going. I'm catching up to the catch up episode, but I'm telling you, and I'll just show you, we're going to get these rolling once a week. But today, we are going to talk about the news that broke yesterday with Blake Griffin. We're going to run through that. We're going to run through the first half, had some really good teams, and I think this year we don't, uh, there's just a lot more parity. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't. We don't ever really know what's going to happen, except for in some years. We definitely don't know what's going to happen this year. So we're going to run through that. And then I know that a lot of people that listen to this are Warriors fans. So we're going to we're gonna talk some Warriors. Um, been an up and down season, but we'll get there. Um, and then we'll have more podcasts coming up. But appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm excited to be back. Let's, let's just jump right into it. We don't have much time to waste, honestly. We really don't. So let's jump into news that broke yesterday. And that was the Blake Griffin news. Um, And it was a mixed reaction, right? There's people that are like, oh my God, league screwed. And I think the most people that were saying that already felt that. And there was another group that's like, whatever. And I would say I'm leaning more towards the whatever group. But let's dive into this because this is an interesting case study. And the career of Blake Griffin is one that is very, very interesting and a a path that you don't see in many professional sports, right? Um, So let's jump into it. So I've had a front row, maybe not front row seat, that's kind of dramatic, but I've... Steph Curry and Blake Griffin were in the same draft class. Blake Griffin went number one in that in that draft that Steph was in. So I've had a uh, I've been following Blake Griffin very very closely. Steph Curry is who who had me fall in love with the game, with the NBA game. On it, if I'm being quite honest. So I would say my that first rookie year is that that first year where I really started to consume the NBA in a deeper level than I ever, than I had ever had before. So what I'm here to say is I've seen Blake Griffin since he was a baby. And when he came into the league, he was a phenomenon, probably not at the level of Zion right now. Cause I think the league has grown and, and Zion was that first like social media baby where we knew, we just knew since he was like 12 years old. Okay. There's a man child growing out in carolina like this man is doing superhuman thing this this man is 14 years old with the body of a 24 year old right and now he's here but so so maybe not quite to that level but we had never seen someone kind of dunk and have that sort of athleticism and just nastiness and ferocity i i I don't think in some time, I think the only other guy that comes to mind is Sean Kemp. And I, I didn't watch Sean Kemp. I was not alive for Sean Kemp's prime years. Um, but that's really the only one that comes to mind. And then right now, I think the, the comparison is Zion. And Zion's, a, you know, more skilled at this age than Blake was. But but the point is, th- this guy took the, the league by storm when he came. He was dunking over Kias. He was murdered. He was baptizing guys in ways that we haven't really seen. Um, we, we see crazy dunks, but like Blake, you, you look at that Aunt Edwards dunk on, on Yuta and Blake had like, has like probably 10 to 13 of those in his vault of just legitimately murdering a dude. Right. And so he came into that league like that and, and pretty quickly, I'd say quicker than one would have guessed his athleticism started to, to decline. And to his credit, he figured out ways to be effective and effective, impact winning 
and despite you know him declining in athleticism and it was never to the point obviously where it was this year where the, you look at him now this man hasn't dunked all year and, and that is if you have went into a coma after his first two years in the league and woke up now you would be tripping out like what happened to Blake Griffin but to his credit he added a jumper He's be he always had like a back down sort of game, but but he has some handle to him now, and he's a very underrated passer. He's a he's a low key dimer as well, which is why I'm excited why I'm excited to see him in this offense. But you look at him two years ago, the man averaged twenty four and a half points, five and a half assists, seven and a half rebounds on thirty six from three, which is pretty solid. 46 from the field, which is not terrible considering the amount of three-point shots he took, and and 85 from the line, which is all-star numbers. He was an all-star, and then he got hurt again, and now you look at him, and in this year he averaged 12 points and doesn't have a dunk. So it's crazy to see just the transition that Blake has gone through. And again, to his credit, you know, and we'll see what guys like Russell Westbrook do, but but it's not easy for these guys who have made their living, made their careers on athleticism to continue to be impactful NBA players without that. Um, and so my first re- – now we're caught up on, you know, kind of where he is. My first reaction to it was, okay – we look at the game of basketball, there's two ways, right, to to affect the way, the effect of winning. And that is scoring points or stopping the, we're being good at stopping the other team from scoring points. And the Nets already have, and, and this will kind of lead us into the Nets and where, where I feel, how I feel about the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but the Nets have three elite offensive talents like i don't know that we people can go to clay and steph and kd and i think that's the first the first and really only trio that comes to my mind in terms of competing with those three in terms of just pure offensive talent and i don't i and i'm a steph and clay and kd guy and and i will take those three all day in terms of winning basketball games but in terms of pure offensive bucket getting talent I think Kyrie and Harden have the edge over Steph and Clay, just in terms of offensive bucket getting talent, right? So we've already we we've seen and, and the three of those guys are, are closing, right? So the offense, you could stick two terrible offensive players next to those three. You're gonna still have a good offense, regardless. And now you already know that one of those two spots is taken by the best three-point shooter in the game. Like, what? Joe Harris is is next to those three guys. So, for me, I have no need for that that closing guy to be Blake Griffin, if that makes sense. I already... Uh, there's two sides of the game, which are equally important. Honestly, they're, they're, they're the two ways to impact the game. You can't say one is, is more or less important. You can say all good offense beats good de- good defense, which is true. But either way, defense is still as important. You, you you need to stop them from getting buckets. So for me, why why improve something that's already the best in the league when you have a glaring weakness? And DeAndre Jordan is a much better DeAndre Jordan and Jeff Green are both better defenders in different ways. They do it in different ways. But for me, um, I think it was fun because, you know, originally when the news comes out, everyone's speculating, okay, what what's the role going to be? What's the role going to be? Some people starting, some people think he's off the bench. And I didn't necessarily know, but it, it just didn't make sense for him to come in and, and play this even 25 to 30 minute a night role on offense because of how good their offense is and, and how, you know, frankly, not good their defense is. So we'll see. We'll see kind of what that role is. And I, and I think it'll be fun again because, like I said, Blake Griffin is a very underrated passer. So you're going to get him. James Harden has been – James Harden is a fool. And, and I mean that in the best of ways. Like, I haven't seen a point guard – and make no mistake, he's a point guard right now. I have not seen a point guard be able to get the rolling big 
in as many beneficial situations as I've seen James Harden. He and it's so and he sees so many different pick and roll coverages, right? He and he, every pick and roll coverage, he I feel like he is either going to get himself a really good look or he's going to get that big in a very beneficial 3 on 2, 4 on 3 situation. No a situation that we've seen Steph get Dre in numerous times. And Blake Griffin is going to thrive in those situations. He's not the elite offensive force anymore, but he is a great passer for that size. And um if he's getting downhill in 3 on 2, 4 on 3 situations, he's going to find the right guy. And if you lay off and just force him to shoot He's still good enough to score. So it'll be an interesting wrinkle into that offense. I'm excited to see, um, you know, what the peak of that offense looks like. But uh, again, I don't think it moves the needle all that much in terms of helping the Nets uh, win a title. And and I think it's, it's interesting. This is like, you know, as the league has progressed, this is something that's grown. And then that's the buyout market. Maybe, maybe it hasn't. Maybe it's always been that this huge. But I, I feel like it's something that often gets forgotten. Um, and I feel like this year, more than I feel like more than recent years, the buyout market is just larger and larger. And there's more and more impactful players that are potentially out there. Like you, you look at a drum, and you're now hearing Otto Porter rumors. Um, I don't know. And I, I know there's definitely more guys out there, but um, I think it, it's a good segue to get us into some championship talk and just talking about, we'll start with the Nets. We'll start with the Nets. So the Brooklyn Nets. Earlier on in the season, you know, when the trade happened, I would, I came out on my daily podcast, my daily betting podcast and was talking about, you know, we had never seen we have at least in my short term of watching basketball we haven't seen a ton of teams win championships without good defenses without pretty above average defenses um and we have not seen that in the slightest from the nets every everything that we've seen basically on the defensive end of the basketball since james harden got there has been pretty damn not just They've they've had some good performances here and there, but for the most part, it's been pretty poor. And so for me, it's hard, given seeing what I've seen, to say, okay, this team has a shot. But the more I look at it, and the more I've thought about it, and the more I've watched that team, first off, James Harden, James Harden is playing a completely different brand of basketball, you know, and we're seeing more and more now. James Harden was not playing that way in Houston because he wanted to because he demanded i should take every shot that is what d'antoni that is what daryl morey decided was their optimal strategy to win is because you see it in the nba in order to score you want to get the best shot possible and generally when your best player is on the floor he's going to get you a better shot than anything else and so they just said why not maximize that and obviously that has its um its cons as well and we saw that bear out many times in the playoffs but He's playing with a chip on his shoulder. You have him who's already has a chip on his shoulder in general, but has never won a title. KD has probably the biggest chip in terms of just like, and I, and I love the NBA, and I'm never going to tell you how you should consume the sport, whatever. Fact of the matter is, there's a huge portion of NBA fans that are simply just LeBron James fans. They're not fans of a team. And even if they are, their fandom generally goes with LeBron because it's it's easier to do that because he, he wins and is generally in the conversation uh, for MVP and finals, uh, finals appearance every year. For good reason. He's very good. But as a result of that fan base being so high and large because of how great he is, KD, who's been second in this during this time period for a pretty extended period of time now, um, you know when he leaves and, and makes the de- the decision to go to the, the Warriors and wins titles as a result, it's gonna piss those Braun fans off. So that guy is always gonna have a chip on his shoulder just because of how much shit he's gotten for that move. And I get it; I've talked about it a million times. I I understand the reasoning as to why the neutral fan or not even neutral a fan of another team would not like that because it, it it makes us almost unbeatable and my argument would be 
you know, it is so hard to win NBA championships. Like, what unwritten rule can you write that makes you say, okay, that is makes it too easy? Like, it is so hard. I feel like that almost disrespects the work and commitment to a team. Like, so KD in the in this age of of social media will always have a chip on his shoulder and always has, I think, some form of motivation with with LeBron and and all the people that we're talking. But I think ultimately he does know that it comes from a place of competitiveness and people want a chance to win, so obviously they're going to be pissed, but you shouldn't take it personal. Like you did what you wanted to do. Um, and then Kyrie, who's literally... The media has never shit on someone more than, than Kyrie Irving. And he 100% does it to himself, right? Like, I, I wish I could sit down to Kyrie and actually get his mindset on, like, why he's done some of the things he's done. But I'm sure, like, it, it's not easy to deal with literally. Just imagine you're alive and you just have a herd of gossipers just talking about your every move it's like oh my god like leave me alone i don't care about you guys like i can get why he'd be fed up but regardless that's a guy that's you know he there's a lot of things out there that he can use to his motivation i just think it's a band of three guys all extremely extremely talented talented like we've never seen on offense two of them have one before um, you have a coach who understands how to put put it all together, and and you're already seeing the signs on offense of this thing working smooth, very smoothly on offense. Like now, if they can figure out a way to get stops, and again, we've talked about it, the buyout market is huge. I uh, I wonder because D'Antoni's there, D'Antoni's there, and, and so you know he has a huge uh, imprint on that offense, and 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 we've seen. DJ and Jeff Green just be in this for a lot longer. So I, I don't know if going out and getting a center who protects the rim a little bit more is a little bit solid on defense, but brings nothing offensively is something they want to do. Um, Cause th- there's a reason they moved Clint Capella out of, of Houston and it's a slight, it's a slightly different way to play, but, but spacing is still a very important factor. So I think for me, after watching them a little bit more, I, like it, it's hard not to pick them. It really is hard not to pick them, and I know, I know we can a lot of times be prisoners of the moment, and I know the Lakers are hurt, and so I think that's a good place to go. We'll, we'll jump to the Lakers, but I, I really think at this point in time, the Nets just can do a little bit more. Like they, they legitimately have three elite offensive weapons, and an elite floor spacer in the best three-point shooter in the league like that's not normal like that's that's insane and so you I feel like maybe only need to get to the defense to a certain level and I could be proven completely wrong and and we'll go to the Lakers who have had the best defense to this point and are missing Anthony Davis um and I think here's my uh, another huge part of the argument for me and why I think the Nets are probably the favorite besides LeBron just being outnumbered LeBron is still, I think, has earned the title and the respect of he he one hundred percent has of a best player when it matters, right? Right now, because not not five months ago he won an NBA championship as the best player, and granted it was in Miami, it was the bubble, it was a different situation, sure, but at the end of the day, he, that was who got it done, and that's really all that matters, regardless of everything else. Right? We're we're talking when it comes to winning. And that's not that far removed from that. But on the other end of that, it's it's clear he's not 29-year-old, 30-year-old, 31-year-old prime Cleveland Cavaliers coming back LeBron or Miami Heat LeBron. Like, I, I think early Cle- Cleveland Cavaliers, Braun is best Braun. Really, at almost every Braun of that run against the Warriors was best Braun because he had to be best Braun. If he wasn't best Braun, I mean, and when KD got, got there, even though he was best Braun, but regardless he's he's proven it but he's not there right now and and obviously he doesn't have to be there right now but i'm seeing clear clear signs of it's just like damn like five years ago that would not have happened or five years ago he could have affected the game in a, a little bit different way and he's still there right now as the number one but i just think 
I don't know. I, he's still 36. He still has plenty of, in the tank. But the Lakers, I, I haven't seen enough from that bench to really feel comfortable with AD. I mean, and I think AD will be fine. I think they're going to be super cautious with him. It's a, it's a quick turnaround. I still think the Lakers are the second most likely team, I think, at this point. I, I would go Lakers. My only thing is, and then you know last year I had similar concerns, was like, are other guys going to step up outside of AD and Braun? And and I know, again, all that matters is they got the ship, but I think that the, the fact of the matter is is the teams that are playing this year are better. There's more of them, and they're better. And I think the Miami Heat, that version of the Miami Heat, without even Goron you know a hurt goron an exhausted jimmy whatever it was a rookie like a literal rookie tyler hero as their best players bam was hurt i think they're going to be facing better competition this year and i think they could get away with what they had last year and and they were lauded a lot for this offseason right dennis schroeder is huge dennis schroeder is huge um kyle kuzma's taking another step taylor horton tucker is but at the same time like we're seeing some other teams just have a little bit more ammo. So it's like this will be a very, very tough test for Ron. And if 80's fully healthy and ready to go, they have they have to be the second most favorite, if not the favorite, right? If they're if they're not one, they're they're two with the performance that AD and Braun put up just a couple months ago, honestly, still less than a year ago. Um but there are there are reasons to be concerned given the bench, given AD's health given bronze age and i don't mean any of that in a disrespectful way but that's just the fact of the matter is is competition's really tough this year like you're looking at a team in the bucks last year that was your main competition as like the sixth the fifth or sixth and we'll talk about it uh most dangerous team this year right like there's just more teams that have made bigger jumps and um this isn't even including teams like the nuggets who were in the western conference finals last year um, or the Heat were in the finals last year. So like, just a, a, a lot more talent. And I think that you're seeing it this year, man. Like, what I think I love just the most about this year is last year you had a big three, a clear big three. It was the Lakers, it was the Clippers, and it was the, the, the Bucks. And that was all year long. And then we had a huge long break after the, the regular season to just debate Lakers, Clippers, box, Lakers, Clippers, box, and it was it was fun. The Heat came in and and they showed everyone. But I think this year everything is everything is closer. Like there's no team breaking away from the pack like the Bucks last year, the Rockets that one year, the Warriors that other year, the Cavs the other year. In, in their respective conferences, it's all pretty tight and packed. And on top of that, you have definitely more than three teams, right? Like, like there's just a much different, more wide open feel to it. And so for me, let's go to team number three, and that's the Los Angeles Clippers. This is a team that I'll be brutally honest. If you if you listen, I love this team, and I, I had them to win last year. I just thought they checked all the boxes. They had the two stars. They had the great defense. They had the great offense. They had um, all the depth. And I was just like, okay, they they. Just, they check every box and LeBron and AD are better than Kawhi and PG but the Clippers have better depth and I think when it comes down to it the better defense and and obviously they collapsed there was multiple reasons as to why that happened um, but ultimately they didn't get the job done and LeBron did and so I think right now you know LeBron has that for sure over them because that's what happened but I also think that helps the Clippers this year um, just in terms of motivation like again we talked about it like it's a huge part of this thing. And, and I think you learn a lesson from that. You get a brand new coach in and the depth is key. And so you're seeing everything from last year, right? The two stars, the defense, the offense, the great depth. And then on top of that, you have the sting of last year's defeat. And so for me, that's, that's a lot of good things going your way. Um, you know, do I want to see Kawhi and PG be better in the clutch? Um. Yes, I de- I definitely do, and that's the one thing they've been really, really good this year and dominated teams and gone on, um, you know, long stretches where they've beaten the hell out of teams. But lately, they've been pretty poor in the clutch. But for me, it's like it's quiet. It's PG. I think when it matters, 
that show up that might be naive given last year and what's happening now but they're just both too good for i feel like for them both to go cold in the clutch for an extended period of time and i think they have a lot of secondary guys that can make plays and really stretch defense that um i think put them in the mix so I think they're, for me, number three. And you just see, again, so many teams. You got now the Utah Jazz, which I think everyone sleeps on them just because they are the Utah Jazz. Like, I think a big part of it, too, is the Bucks were so dominant, and we'll get to them, too. The Bucks were so dominant in the last two regular seasons, and it didn't mean jack shit when it came to the playoffs. <clears throat> And it like they like they haven't even been to the finals. It hasn't even been like all right, get to the finals and lose. You know they haven't even been to a finals, and they went home in the second round in in, in one of the playoffs last year. So I think people have that kind of in their mind, like okay, regular season team can do what they want, but with there's Braun there, there's KD there, like you know respect is going to go to those players ahead, and it makes sense because all the recent title winners have been Steph, KD, Braun. Um, or Kawhi, or or AD now, but um, as stars. But for me, they're showing all the signs. Like I I understand that, and I understand you know they're they're going to have to show up when it matters. But for me, they they have a rim protector in Rudy Gobert, who is something like I personally haven't seen in terms of a defensive chess piece because with him. Chances are, if, if a guard's going one-on-one on Rudy Gobert in the paint, chances are he's going to miss that shot. And the Jazz know this. Quinn Snyder understands this. And it allows them to close out on threes much more aggressively than other teams. And because it's okay if you go by. Because they know they have Rudy Gobert down there. So for them, they give up a lot of mid-range jumpers. They force people into these mid-range jumpers because they run them off the line. And then they don't want to go in the paint. So you can shoot the mid-range jumper as as well as you want, right? It's still not going to be as efficient as a layup. It's still not going to be as efficient as a shot right in the paint. And it's not going to be as efficient as a three because it's worth less. So you have to make it exponentially more often than a three to make it worth it uh, with a three being an extra uh, an extra point. So they have the defensive profile for it. And then they have multiple ball handlers on offense. Like on a, in a, I'm a Warriors fan, and we'll get to them too. I mean, they're not in the, the title contending section, but I know we got to talk some Warriors. But... <clears throat> They have the, in my eyes, one of the greatest offensive weapons this this NBA, this league, this world has seen. And when he's not on the floor, it's it's pretty it's pretty disgusting. It's it's honestly pretty disgusting because the offense is is created to kind of use Steph right to get everyone looks. And so then when Steph's off, it does does the offense doesn't really make sense when Steph's not on the court because it's it's there to kind of. Uh, take advantage of what he provides. So when you have secondary ball handlers, when your best player off of your best player that allows your best player to pick his spots at times, it's critical. And they have Jordan Clarkson. They have Mike Conley. Mike Conley is so underrated. He's a great three-point shooter. He is a good mid-range shooter. He's got a little a crazy float game. He's a good finisher. He can finish with left or the right, and he's a great passer. So Generally, if you you run a set with him being the main guy this year, it's going to come out in a positive way. Same with Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson went from a guy in Cleveland three years ago in the finals. It was a laughing stock. Like, guys were like, he, he would get like 10, 15 minutes a game, and it just did not affect the game in a positive way at all. And to go from that to this, it's, it's so dope to see. Um, but he's another guy. And then Joe Ingles, too. You have Joe Ingles who you get him in a pick and roll. He's a little maestro. He's he's in there picking and rolling, looking guys off the whole way. Like you watch Joe Ingles in the pick and roll, it is is it's a genuinely fun thing to watch because he doesn't have speed. He doesn't have a, a vertical. He doesn't have really even that much of quickness. It's just all basketball mind, and, and that gives you four guys who, in a pick and roll situation, along with Donovan, in a pick and roll or pop situation can get you generally a good look and then they space it with Bojan Bogdanovic they space it with Royce O'Neal who rails threes everyone on the full team George's name can rip the three besides Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors and Derek Favors is a super underrated backup big he was super productive whenever he's played 
Uh, even back in New Orleans, he just, one, couldn't stay healthy, and two, he can't handle a big load. But as a backup, it, it's absolutely perfect for him. So I'm not going to go ahead and say, all right, Jazz are sitting at the table necessarily with the Clippers, Lakers, <clears throat> and uh, really we got a lot of other teams to, to look at, it, but Nets for the teams we've gone so far. But they're not a far cry away, and... I mean, we've seen them beat them, some of those teams in the regular season, and beat bad. And, and granted, the Lakers last one, there's no AD. It'll be different. But for me, I, I still remember early, early on in my watching days when the Mavericks won. And I don't even think I realized in the moment, like, oh, shit. Like, this was not supposed to happen, especially with the large uh, Braun fan base. This was not supposed to go down like this. Like, like the Heat were supposed to win this. So we've seen it happen before. And again, that was one on one. But like, so will this year. Uh, I feel like there are more contenders this year than there were that lot back then. But at the same time, what's to say a Jazz team can't in the right circuit? In a weird season, things have just seemed to go right for them pretty often. Um, and so I would not be surprised at all in this, in this COVID impacted season. And I'm not even saying that to take away. I'm just saying it is, it is different. It is different than what it's been in the past. It doesn't make it worse or better, but, um, I think that we should go and move towards the bucks. And, uh, I don't know. I think you could split it multiple different ways. If we're going, if you want me to go next, most likely, I think you got to go Sixers. So we'll go Sixers because, now you have another fun team, and Joel has just been quietly, sneakily leveling up every year. You've seen it kind of like the Jazz now, right? And they're not going to get counted in because you've seen them on a big stage and not be able to do it multiple times. But you have to realize that Ben and Joel are just kind of coming up. Like, they've been hiding away, getting better year by year. They had the the limelight on them, and they were kind of dubbed as the next you know, guys to do it. And they couldn't do it. But they were, Ben Simmons is 24 and Joel Embiid is 26. Like, this is kind of their go time. And they, they've been groomed for this. They have a new coach in Doc Rivers who's been there many times and seems to have a, a good vibe with them. They have snipers now. They have a winner in Danny Green who clearly... The, the man I've never seen a champion get so much shit. Like, that man gets shit from everyone and he's won a title in san antonio he's won a title in toronto he's won a title in la like end of the day that we are playing this game to win the game and he has done that on championship level teams he's played minutes um so you, you gotta respect the guy he he it's the nature of the game sometimes shooters don't make it but he's always gonna play decent perimeter defense he's always gonna remain a threat to shoot out there and then the, the key reason is just Joel Embiid, man. Like, he's been getting better and better and better. And to the point now where it's like, okay, you, you watch that man play basketball, and there are times where it's just like, okay, that's stupid. That should not – like, that, that is not a normal occurrence. Like, a seven-foot – 280 300 whatever pound guy should not be able to move like that do that do a move that involves that much skill and then i and and you've just had him and ben playing together for so long you know that the familiarity is finally getting to a point where like they know what each other do best they know what each other's weaknesses are and, and they know how to play with each other and then you now have a kind of a third sidekick in tobias coming along and i'm uh to this point, Tobias has never, for me, showed up in a consistent way when it matters. But he's been really, really damn good this offseason. Or not this offseason, but this season. Almost having, like, the, the, the type of season Middleton had last year. Right? 50, 40, 90 on high uh, volume. Can he keep it up? One, if he keeps it up, how long? Can he do this in the playoffs? Can he hit big shots when they matter? If he can, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Sixers are representing the East. Because that's a piece in Embiid, and this is why I've liked him in the past. I don't know what the Nets do for Embiid, right? The Nets are going to score a ton of points, but I don't know how they contain a guy like Embiid. I don't know how the Bucks contain a guy like Embiid. And the Sixers are getting better. Shake Milton's a great presence off the bench, so I would not be shocked at all. Um, and I know this pod would be way too long if I went through everything, but we're going to do an MVP talk with a 
I'm going to do an MVP talk with Sergeant Tyler. That'll be out pretty soon. And, and Joel's definitely up there. But, um, all right. Last couple teams that I think deserve some consideration, some talking, just in terms of having a shot at, at being in it when it matters. And so we'll go to the Bucks, And we talked about it, man. The, the Bucks are finally out of the limelight, right? Giannis has won MVP back-to-back years, and we've seen more or less it hasn't mattered. It hasn't mattered, and he's won those MVPs. And I think even Giannis knows. I'm not in the class quite yet of I can't be considered in this class if I have not won a championship. And it's not like I don't have talent around me. We've been able to prove in the regular season that at our peak we can be the best team, and he hasn't been able to do it. And so now, after two straight years, and presumably better competition this year, no one's really getting eager to jump to the line and and really pick the bucks um in terms of how they've played this year and what my you know what my thoughts are moving forward drew holiday missed a really large portion of the year and this team i I don't think people realize but this team changed a lot from last year they their their whole bench is essentially different they have bobby portis dj augustine getting heavy minutes pat Connaughton's still there off the bench um, and Dante's still there at the two guard for them starting, but Wes Matthews is gone. Like Robin Lopez is gone. Like a, a lot of those guys that were there last year are, are no longer there. And it, it's been a mixed result. It's been a mixed bag. And again, Drew's been out for a long time, so it's hard to say, but there have been times even Chris Middleton has looked messed up this year. And so it doesn't it, they got drew holiday which makes them immediately a better team but there's a little bit of a lack of continuity there they there are a lot of times where in big games they just don't show up and so i don't know i don't know that i can see them beating the nets four times like i don't know that i could see them beating even the sixers four times just from what i've seen with these guys now Giannis is still insane at basketball he's a insane piece on defense and then in transition even in the half court but he still takes these threes like he's decent at shooting them. And he's, he's a below-average three-point shooter. So teams are going to continue to give him a look. I don't see him I- increasing his efficiency this year. You know, uh, obviously he's been working at it. Um, but it's just tough for me to see with the other talent. It's tough for me to have this Bucks team that's collapsed time after time again. Um, and, and I get why people are off them. I still think they're a threat. I do. I still think there's a chance. Sure, there's a chance, but I, I definitely would take some other teams ahead of them. Um, and it's it's interesting, and you don't want to call it yet, but it's interesting because the the Bucks they sold the farm to get Drew, like to the point where it's like, all right, there there's very there's not very many ways we can go from here in terms of trying to get better. Like we we gave up everything, we got bled of everything we had by the Pelicans. We got Drew here now. How good can we be? And the early indications are not much better than last year. But you do got to give Drew time. um, And he is going to help this team in in the playoffs. I I think they are definitely a better bet than last year in terms of they're going to go past the second round. Um, Okay. Last team that I think deserves some, just a brief mention, is the Phoenix Suns. Started off 8-8. and um, and this was a team that I don't think a lot of people thought super highly of. I've always thought for a while that they were going to be pretty good. I didn't know they were going to be like two seed good. Um, but you just saw the instant impact that Chris Ball had on in, in Oklahoma City. And you basically, you have a better, more talented and further along version of that in Phoenix. So I was like, this team's for sure a playoff team. I don't know how good. Um, but I would not be shocked that all at all and it's just a testament to really what i think of chris paul and devin booker but i i would not be shocked at all to see him in a western conference finals to maybe even maybe if ayton continues to get better because deep book is a absolute bucket they defend super super well as a team right like it's such a good defense jay crowder's adapted well um mccall bridges has taken a huge leap Chris Paul's there as as just that calm. Chris Paul is going to do everything, every game in his power to get his team a win. Like, cheeky shit, athletic shit. Like, 
any little thing Chris Paul can do, you can count on him doing it. So uh, it's a Suns team with a good head coach and Monty Williams, good defense first, and then two. But when the game slows down, they have two guys that really, no matter how you defend them, you either have to sell out, especially with D-Book. You got to sell out and get the ball out of his hands, or you're going to have to live with the idea that they might get a good look. Like, no matter what you do, if you let Devin Booker go one-on-one, there's a good chance they're going to get a good look. So you got the defense and the bucket getters. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I'm putting them behind the Lakers, behind the Nets, behind the Sixers, behind all that. But um, I wouldn't be shocked at all. All right. Two couple things. I don't think the Nuggets really have a shot. I mean, they, they need everything to come together. Um, nah, they got a shot. They got an outside shot um, because of Nikola Jokic and what we've seen from him in the playoffs. And Jamal Murray. Um, when those two are playing at their best, they've got a shot, regardless of everything else. But they need their perimeter defenders and P.J. Dozer, who's now finally back, and Gary Harris to be fully healthy heading into the playoffs where they don't have a shot, in my mind. Paul Millsap's getting older. Um, it, it, it's MPJ gives so much on offense, but he gives it so much of it right back on defense, just kind of clueless out there. And he's getting better, but it's nowhere near what it needs to be for him to be like a star-star. Um, and then the Celtics, if Jalen, Jason were playing at their peak versions of themselves, they're up there, but Jalen's not, Jalen's gone down from where he was earlier in the season. And, and he had to be more earlier in the season, but he's gone down a little bit. And Jason, since COVID has not been great. Uh, no, he's been good, but he hasn't been Jason Tatum standard level. Great. And then Kemba's working his way back from a knee problem and has has not even been close to himself so you've gotten a pretty wounded banged up version of the celtics uh to this point and so i think that's why people count them out but if jason tatum and jalen brown are the best versions of themselves at any point and and kemba walker continues to trend up a little bit you never know with them too we've seen it um Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are just that good at the game of basketball if they get any sort of help from Kemba and others and Marcus Smart they got a shot we're just looking at them now with Marcus Smart out Kemba not at his best Tatum not at his best and and Jalen Brown has a hurt knee too so be patient with them obviously they haven't been great but you never know they got a shot all right I think that about covers every team that I I think has even a remote shot all right now Let's close with the Warriors because I know a large portion of people that listen to this are Warriors fans, as I am. Um, and I think there's a lot of different ways you can look at the season and how it's gone down so far and, and have really mixed feelings. And And let's start with, <clears throat> I guess, Warriors Twitter's, Warriors Twitter's biggest two issues, and that is Steve Kerr and LaMelo versus Wiseman. And I think this story could gain a little bit more traction. So let's start with the LaMelo. Uh, apparently, <clears throat> there are many sources, not many, but there's a story coming out that the Warriors told LaMelo Ball they would draft him number two. And remember, this is the night that Clay Thompson went down, and, and we don't, who knows for sure if, if Shams and, and Woj don't tweet it, we'll never know. <clears throat> but there's a video of LaMelo before the draft holding up the fingers too. And I'll, I'm just going to play the audio. I, I'm not that there's a laugh in it. That's going to probably overpower Lamelo's voice. Um, but I might as well play it and, and we'll see what you can take from this, but he's holding up the, the numbers too. And like basically emphasizing the two, and this is pre-draft. Just know it's up. Just see my fingers. <laughs> I don't know if you caught the two part, but, um, that's just frustrating to, to some, and, and you, you know, now you see Lamo literally head and shoulders above the rest, except for maybe Ant and, and Hallie. Um, <clears throat> and the Warriors have Brad Wanamaker off the bench, you know, and they see James Wiseman really having been a, had a long stretch of being hurt, and even when he's been playing, you know, has a, a lot of issues on defense, and and he shows you flashes here and there, but does he? When he's out there, does he consistently help you win a, the basketball game? We're not at that point yet. But I, I think there's a couple huge things to note with just the Lamelo Wiseman thing, and that is <clears throat> it's a different situation. I think I think out out in Charlotte, it is a perfect 
maybe not perfect, but a very nice fit for LaMelo. Because you see that's just free-flowing. It's Terry Rozier, it's Gordon Hayward, it's Miles, it's it's Devontae Graham, and they just run and gun, and they just hoop, and whoever's got the hot hand goes. And it's not a ton of sets. It's a lot of just reading and reacting and going with the flow. And LaMelo La is the best create. He's already established in a, in a team full of guys that have, you know, want to make a, a name for themselves. He's kind of established as the go-to creator <clears throat> when they need to create. Um, and I, I think that he would just work a lot more be better and does work a lot better in Charlotte. Whereas here you see it's this weird system. Like no one else really plays this style of basketball. It's like the ultimate quote like unselfish pass first offense they average a ton of assists but what steve kerr does is he he literally just leverages steph curry as a threat to create good looks for others as opposed to saying go ahead steph be great we'll work off of you and we'll get to that point but you know like Lamella, Lamelo, I don't know. I think Lamelo would have been forced into a box here in Golden State, and we wouldn't have necessarily got. And and I think of ultimately, you know, Steve Kerr can't hold Lamelo down. Like Lamelo has been this good. I, I think it's it's safe to say he would eventually. It might take a little longer, but it would eventually be very very good, no matter where he went. But I think it's important to note that. And two, I think. <clears throat> It's just so hard to play defense for bigs at, at this level. Like it, it takes a lot, and to come in having played three college games and, and the rest being high school, and now you're playing with like professional grown men. It, it's it's a tough adjustment on the fly, especially when the standard is so high. And you know, like Draymond has played elite high level defense for for many years, and so it's it's tough to pick that up. And you your head spinning then on offense, you have to like know when to pass and set screens for Steph. Like it just can be mind-boggling. So for him, things are going to eventually start to slow down. He's going to grow in his body more. He, he's going to get more mature. Like, like that you're going to see pretty steep, um, I think, a, a jumps for him in year two and three and four. And I think he'll be really, really good. So that's not something I'd be worried about. What I would be worried about, which is what I touched on earlier, is – <clears throat> the off there's a, a school of thought and i think that you're seeing this it's it's pretty common along warriors twitters steph curry is literally the if not the single greatest offensive weapon we've seen at least top two or top three like just in terms of what he's able to create on the minutes he's on the floor and you're essentially using it to get others open looks and scrape by instead of saying, Steph, be great. We're going to get you as many looks as you as you can because you're a very, very prolific shooter. And then once that happens, defenses have to pay attention to you. And you, oh, wait, you also have a handle too. So there, there's so many ways that he can beat defenses. And he's been playing at the, his best level this year. Like he's seeing boxing ones. He's seeing double teams. And I'm not crying. I'm just saying like for him to average 29 points, make as many threes as he does at the volume at the clip he does at the volume he does like we just haven't seen someone do this before and, and so to kind of instead of like giving him the help he deserves give, giving him guys that maximize his time and, and yes clay's hurt but like you have james wiseman who i promise you has value around the league and you have the minnesota timberwolves pick which i promise you has value around the league and and i understand having a more long long-term approach but i also think like you're taking stuff a little bit for granted i think you win a couple titles and now you're like all right and again I, this is the stuff fan in me like i just feel like you owe it to a guy like that who's done so much for you guys to you know, give him what he he needs in these last couple of years. Like we're seeing, maybe not last couple of years, but we're still seeing peak Steph. Um, and to, to see peak Steph and be one game over 500, it's tough. It, it really is. You you would expect them to be better with a guy who's performing the way he is. So um, I, I think guys are going to continue to get learned how to play better with him. I think you've seen Draymond's hit his stride. 
And I think Wiggins is, I like what I've seen from Wiggins. Kelly just needs to take the open shots. James is going to get better. I think this is the most likely scenario is we finish 7th, 8th, um, maybe 6th, anywhere in that range. Um, and if you guys didn't know, they're doing a play-in tournament this year. So uh, the 7th and 8th seed at the end of the season play each other. <clears throat> and then the eight and or sorry, then the nine and ten seeds play each other, and the the winner of the seven and eight game play the winner of or the loser of the seven and eight game plays the winner of nine and ten, um, and then the winner of that is in two as the eighth seed, I, I believe. Um, <clears throat> so I, I would say um, there's a decent shot we're in that. Hopefully we we can avoid some some certain teams, but um, I don't know, man. I don't know, but it's. We're not a title contender, but I want to say we can make some noise in the first round just because of, you know, Steph and Dre's history. But, I mean, the way the way the offense is run, teams are going to be able to stop us at some point. And I don't know. Steve Kerr's just hesitation to turn the keys over. Um, and, and run an offense that where Steph is just a lead ball handler. And it's happened at times, but just like on a consistent basis. I don't know. I don't know. It's been good in some ways. It's been good as a Steph fan, but it, as a Warriors fan, it's like, damn. And, and I had high expectations, but we still have a full second half left. You would like to think the you know the best version of the Warriors is still yet to come. So um, there's still a lot to look forward to. Anyways, that about does uh does it for this episode of the Malaga Drive Hoops Pod. I appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in. If you haven't already, we're going streaking on Twitter. You know I, this is what I'm passionate about. We're here to close the second half of the season strong. Seventy and fifty eight on the first half. We're gonna do even better than that in the second half. So if you haven't already. Sauce me a follow on Twitter. Would appreciate it. Other than that, I'll see you guys in a week. Appreciate you. Peace.